Welcome back to You Don't Know Me, a podcast about people you don't know. I'm your host, Beeps, and today we have a really, really cool guest. You heard a little bit of what she does in our intro today. We have today Shotter. Hey. <laughs> Her name is Katie Shotter, for those of you who don't know. She is from the UK, um, and she is an artist living here in Atlanta. Now, the way we met each other was actually really random and kind of bizarre. <laughs> and she's going to tell you a little bit about that now. So what were you doing the day that we came I don't even you? know. Well, okay, so I um, was walking the Beltline and with my friend Nick. And there are a couple of pianos that are just jotted down the trail. And, um, I, and I did from Pianos for Peace, right? That's it, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't even know about it. And my friend Nick was like, oh, let's, let's go and check it out and have a little play. So we were just taking a walk along there at the weekend. And I saw one of these pianos and um, I just jumped on it. And started playing and singing, and then you walked past, <laughs> and um, with your friends, and yeah. um, gave me a request to sing, which was Aladdin, yeah. a whole new world, <laughs> a whole new world with running Aladdin. <laughs> Nick shouts out, "Yeah, hey, let's take requests!" Yeah. <laughs> and of course, we were—I think we had been singing before we stumbled into you guys, a whole new world, yeah. for some weird reason. And she was like, "Yes," <laughs> and Tink was like, "That is the song that we were going to request." I was like, "Okay, I haven't sung this since I was about three years old, but and I'm going to try it." crushed it even on that like out of tune piano the the honky with the like the g missing or something but you know had to yeah and then i played that and then we um we all just really clicked and then we all went for like a little drink afterwards and yeah and like come get day drunk with us that's what sunday's all about um on that hot sunday so yeah it's it's crazy this is why i love atlanta because Mm -hmm. This kind of stuff happens all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like it does. You, you just like you'll be walking somewhere and you'll meet someone just randomly, and then they invite you. So it just, yeah, I love it. You love kind of stumble here. into it. Yeah. And shortly into this, we realized that you are a recording artist oh, who yeah. just recently moved here mm-hmm. for. Uh, who are you signed with? So, well, I used to be signed to Sony back in mm-hmm. London. Um, I was with them for about six years, mm-hmm. um, and then I came off the label because. It just wasn't, my project was just being shelved for a little while and the vision was kind of getting a bit lost. Um, yeah. So I came off the, the books and found myself a little bit, um, a bit lost. I didn't really yeah. know where I was going. My manager then sort of discovered me online, who's here from Atlanta, mm-hmm. and he works at Republic Records. And um, oh, cool. he um, moved me out here and the rest is history. So I've been here for a year and a half. That's so. kind of the dream right it, there. It, no, it is. It <laughs> is. And I've, I've spent my career has been so up and down it's ridiculous and I've you know there's one point like a couple of years ago I was doing sort of four jobs yeah. and then doing gigs in the evening and I was Whoa. getting literally like two hours of um sleep, sleep a night and it was I was like give me a break like I just want to be doing music full time but it, you know it makes you um it definitely makes you driven I think when you've and it makes you appreciate the success it does. when you get it yeah. yeah it does and I'm really grateful for sort of being you know, being given the opportunity that my manager's given me where I can just mm-hmm. focus on music every day. And that's awesome. it's, yeah. Yeah. It's so you dream. are doing it officially full time. Officially so full time. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's like the dream for me too. Podcasting yeah. full time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that never it will happens, happen. guys. <laughs> it will, no, it will happen. It will. I think um, I, I didn't, I, if you would have said to me a couple of years ago that I'll be living in Atlanta and be doing mm. this, I'd have been like, what? Like, I mean, I knew I was always going to do music, but I didn't think I'd be living here and stuff. So you just mm. never know. Yeah, like, in the US of all. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 
So you never know what's around the corner. Because there's a great scene out in London, right? It's, so. You know what? It's amazing. Like the, the music scene back home is r- like ridiculous. Like the mm-hmm. talent is crazy. Like mm. the scene in London's really good. You've got Manchester up north. Mm. Um, like, yeah, a lot of the cities in England, like the talent's crazy. But it's, um, I don't know what it is. I, I love going back home. London mm. will always be my home and I love it. But when I'm here, and I don't know whether it's because I... I'm out here on my own, but I feel really inspired on a daily basis when I'm here. When I'm back home, and also this is because I'm ridiculous. I think the weather has a little bit of a part to do it because you know, London <laughs> no, it, it rains a lot. Yeah. It's grey and it's it's yeah. not that inspiring. Waking up every morning, you've got like grey clouds and rain, and it's a bit. But um, here, I feel really sort of really driven. Yeah, you know that's awesome. Yeah. I think Atlanta is a city of hustlers. It, let's be it is. We're Everyone's rising a hustler. up, you know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, um, especially the startup community is really interesting. Yeah. Um, I just recently made a job shift specifically mm-hmm. to be able to work with a lot of the entrepreneurs here, you know, Amazing. So yeah. a lot of the startups for that reason, because I think it's something that's growing. Yeah, so it really is. You know what? You're so right. Like since I've been here, the amount of people I've met that like all have their own startups yeah. and they're all like, they've taken that risk to sort of yeah, quit their nine to five and, and they're doing that. And yeah, I love that. Like, mm-hmm. I think, um, it is scary to do that, but when you're surrounded by everyone that's on, like that, on it that just same dri- page. yeah, it just mm-hmm. drives you more, doesn't it? Same yeah. wavelength, and exactly. I think part of it is um, you can still afford to do that. Mm. You can still afford to take the risks here yeah. because, like, yeah, it's expensive. It's a city, but it's nowhere near as expensive. Oh as... my god, London is ridiculous. You can't like. Uh-uh. It's, it's crazy, yeah, like living prices and... Um, in New York City, for example, I mean, mm. that's the city of dreams, right? So, mm-hmm. like, you have, you can't even work a regular nine to five. You have a career, you have a, you have a side gig. Everybody yeah. has a side hustle. Yeah. Just to be able to pay for their life. Yeah. You know? It's just yeah. insane. Like, it is. Like, it's crazy. So, shout out to Atlanta yeah. for being We all awesome. need a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we need. <laughs> if you're listening, anyone? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I that bit. <laughs> <laughs> on that note no, I'm just kidding it's a good thing we're explicit right <laughs> so so this kind of brings us straight into you know obviously like we kind of talked a little bit about what brought you here so where are you from where are your parents so I'm from a place called Croydon um which is the south of London oh. um it's it used to have like a bit of a rough reputation mm. um it's where Kate Moss is from which oh, is pretty cool. cool yeah she's from the same area um and a lot of music a lot of um like the uh, drum and bass scene dubstep mm. um that what originated. happened in drum and bass can we talk yeah, about that well, for a it's, second? it's actually it's still big back in yeah. the uk it is still big in the, in the uk it's um i mean it, it was thrive in the 90s it was like everyone was Huge. drum and bass yeah. yeah dnb and but it is it's i mean music changes you know like yeah. edm took over and house music took over and then all the kids were doing that and mm. but drum and bass is still very especially back in the uk it's still really big yeah um so yeah, like a lot of that originate, like dubstep and stuff, that originates from Croydon, where, where mm. I'm from. Cool. Um, and yeah, it's a cool little place. I was born um, on yeah 5th of April and uh, I've got an older brother who's two years older than me. Mm. Um, and yeah, and it's just me, my mum, my dad and my brother. So. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, it's cool. So we're in that, in that story. Where did mm. you kind of discover music? Being Do you know, I was very young. I was okay. like three years old. <laughs> and um, my, so my mum was a piano teacher. Mm. She used to be a piano, piano teacher and she, um, incredible classical pianist. My mm. dad is a incredible jazz pianist. Yeah. Um, self-taught as well. Um, my mum 
she, you know, I did classical training, but my dad just self-taught. And my brother plays piano and plays guitar as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came from, I was always around music from being a baby. Like that was just my family. But what I remember I was specific, I was about three years old. Like I couldn't even really talk any English, to be honest. I was a bit of a weird child. And I decided just to speak in my own language until I was about seven years old. What? <laughs> so everyone, all my family thought there was something seriously wrong with me and um but I used to just play and sing like in English and I'd, oh. when I did music but I used to just speak in this gobbledygook language r- ridiculous but I was about three and um yeah. I was playing the piano and I was singing and I wanted to be two people I wanted to be Stevie Wonder and Judy Garland like mixed together <laughs> just a combo Stevie Garland that's who I wanted to be yeah and um <laughs> that's who I really wanted to be and I just knew from very very early on that I wanted to perform and sing and and write and play the piano and everything and Mm. I've done it ever since then awesome yeah that's such a good story yeah it's mad oh yeah so at what point did it start becoming realistic for this to be like a career a career um so I was so you know I was always singing in school and stuff and doing little talent shows like in the local area as a kid um and and again, I didn't think of anything else that I wanted to do. Like it was always just I'm doing music. It's I'm always doing music. you were kind yeah, of single minded about it. Um, yeah. And then when I was about thirteen, fourteen, um, I was at high school. Awkward little teenager, like starting high school, Rage. and yeah, <laughs> I was a Harry Potter look alike as well. Ah. So um, yeah, like I was going through all these weird emotions. And yeah, I was thirteen, fourteen, and I actually got discovered in a school show that I was in Um, and the lady that sort of discovered me she was actually an American lady she had some connections with this independent record label in Mm -hmm. in England Um, and she sort of saw something in me and she put me forward um, she introduced me to this label Mm -hmm. and um, they ended up signing me so I signed an independent record deal when I was yeah 13 14 I was super young and um, and the the first about a year and a half um, yeah, up until I was about 15, two years, um, I, on my school, I didn't take time off school. I didn't leave school or anything like mm. that. But on my time off, like on holidays and everything, I would just spend being in a studio environment, writing my own, yeah. starting to write my own songs, um, which were really dramatic at the time. <laughs> um, yeah, starting to write my own songs and just being like used to sort of, I grew up very quickly, put it that way. I was going out for like, I was going up into London in the city and going out for dinners with people off the label. And I I had to really grow up like super quickly and just being around that kind of world. Um, And then when I was 15, um, it didn't end too well. And the the guy that owned the record label um, basically... I'm just going to say it. He wanted me to sleep with him. Otherwise, he didn't want me on the label anymore when I was 15. He was like oh 60 God. years old. And um, so it, and it was just before all my really big exams at school. So um, obviously I didn't. Um, yeah. And so obviously I left the label. He didn't want to work with me anymore. And um, that was my first sort of experience, like my first professional experience within mm. the industry. And um, kind of put me off a little bit. Because, you know, you hear all these stories, don't you, about yeah. a lot of people were... Uh, you know, they're a bit snaky and it's mm. a bit flaky and stuff, but you never really think it's going to happen, especially at that age. And um, yeah, I had to grow up super quickly when I was like 15, but it didn't put me off. And I knew I still wanted to do it professionally. Um, so then I went to college, which is what we, you guys, your college is basically our university. 
Um, well, college and university here is interchangeable. Okay, so cool. college is, but that's like a time between high school and college, uh, high school and university. Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah. that's what we. Yeah. So I went there and for two years and did studied music, mm-hmm. and then because I was, you know, no, no one in my family, I didn't know anyone that was in the industry apart from that experience I had with that label. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have a clue how to. This was before also like. X Factor was around and these kind of talent shows. I think mm. there was a few talent shows that had started to come out on TV, but I didn't have a clue how to get in the industry. I was like, what do you do? Like, yeah. I, I don't. And um, so I studied music. So I thought, you know what, let me study it. And then I've got something kind of to fall back on. Like, if mm. I, but I just, all I wanted to do was perform. I didn't really particularly want to study like classical music. I just <laughs> wanted to write my own songs and perform it. But um, it kind of helps to have. It does. Like, and yeah. it was, yeah, no, I was sort of, at least, so I, I studied that and then I was just, I, started university and I went for two weeks and I was there for two weeks and then studying classical music kind of sitting there thinking why am I doing this and then I saw an advert or my my ex-boyfriend at the time he saw an advert a commercial on the tv um for a reality show and they were looking for eight artists from the UK and it was like an urban music show so mm. they were looking for rappers um, but it was all like within urban music so like R&B and soul and I hate that word urban but that's what they said at the time um, and you had to audition and then the general public in England picked who they wanted to to be on this program so yeah. I was one of the eight that got picked so um, I left university I was only there for two, yeah, two weeks and I left I was like see ya um, <laughs> and we got we got flown out to Houston Mm. And we got put on um, a boot camp. So it was a reality show. We all got put in this house and we were living in there for about six weeks. And it was a boot camp and we were working with Matthew Knowles, which is Beyonce's dad. And we worked with him for six weeks and it was his boot camp. So it was his boot camp on... He wanted to find a star, the next star. And um, so we had to do, you know, fitness train boot camps in the morning, like fitness boot camps. We had to oh. do singing lessons. We were in the studio writing with um, songwriters. We were doing dance lessons, even though I can't dance at all. Yeah. Um, we did all these different things. And of course, it's a reality show as well. So people are arguing and there's a bit drama, of drama going yeah. on. And But I kind of kept myself really separate to all of that. I didn't want to... Um, be involved in any of the drama. I was just there to sort of do. So cut long so short. I did that and um, got. I won the show. So Matthew Knowles. Holy ended shit! Up. You won. Yeah. I oh won it. my god. Yeah. What was the name of the show? Um, it's called Chances. Um, oh. and it was you know what it was such a cool because the whole reality show like uh, you know reality TV show like I think they're great for what they are. Mm. Um, but I feel like they've given people um this this sort of um, idea that that's the only way you can make it, you know? So I, th- I feel like a lot of people lose the grind of what they yeah. have to do. And I'm not saying it's not hard work to do those programmes, it is, but... Um, There's a lot that you don't see. Yeah, like you have to really like um, work on your craft. Of, if you want to be a songwriter, you have to work at that. Like you have mm. to, um, you know, in some of these sh- these TV shows, they're like kind of quick, um, what's the word? Fast track. Fast track, exactly. Um, so I, so yeah, I have a friend that was just recently on The Voice. Amazing, um, that yeah. That I grew up with. and But she's in the same way that you are. Like, yeah. she puts so much work into yeah. what she's doing. And even though she didn't make it through, like, the first couple rounds of mm-hmm. The Voice, um, she's already done, like, she performed at, like, a football game. She did the National Amazing. Anthem. She's released her first EP. Like, Brilliant, yeah. Really so kind that's of taking it and that. using it as a springboard, even though she didn't Which I think most people do now, to mm-hmm. be honest. I think especially as well, a lot of people that are established within the industry yeah. and they've been doing it a long time, they are using it for a step, you know, a stepping mm-hmm. stone to... Because it's, yeah, it is great exposure. But, yeah. um, but this show was brilliant because... Also, 
shameless plug to her. That's Teresa Guidry, by the way. So Love she you, was Teresa. the one <laughs> on the voice. <laughs> Continue. Brilliant. Um yeah, no, uh, like this show that I did, um, this was before all of these shows and it was it was it was a really good concept mm-hmm. because it was doing everything that you need to do sort of within the industry and um, yeah. um like a little sort of taster into it. So yeah, so I won the show. So Matthew ended up signing me as his one of his artists. Um and then I got a record deal with Sony. So then it was a bit of a whirlwind for a few years after that. And you toured with Beyonce after toured that? With Beyonce after that. So, so is that um, how you ended up? Yeah. So um a year after I got signed by him, um the there was an opportunity to support her, um, but just in the UK. So mm. just her, just be her opening act um, within the UK, which is you know where I was still living at the time. I was still in London. So um, I did that. Well, I actually, the first show I did with her was in Spain because mm. the support act she had wasn't very well or something. So they called me up saying, can you come to Spain? And this was literally the morning of the show. So they, oh, flew, wow. they flew me out that afternoon and that was my first show in Barcelona. Um, so that was... Yeah, crazy. I don't even really... It was a bit of a blur, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and then I did the UK shows, which were amazing because yeah. my family and friends could come and, um, and you know, performing at Wembley and all these arenas in your own country, which is yeah. what you dream of doing. It was, yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. Um, I didn't really get to meet her. It was yeah. a bit of it was a bit of a crazy circus and, you know, yeah. she's Beyonce. So it was, um, it was pretty mad. I didn't really, yeah, get to... But I got to know a lot of the people that were on the tour, like her backing singing and her yeah. band and everything. They were amazing. So I got to uh, got to know them really well. I imagine she's doing so much more. Oh, totally. Yeah, she's yeah. doing interviews. She's, you know, doing her yeah. thing. So, um, but just to have the opportunity was amazing. And yeah. so I did that and um, that was all I was supposed to do. So then I went back to just my normal life of, rec- well, I say my normal life, but I was going back in the studio and I was recording. And, and then I suddenly got a call at like three in the morning mm-hmm. um, to say... Beyonce loved you so much in England. Um, she wants you to do the whole of America and Canada with her. Um, oh your gosh. flight's been booked, but it's in four hours. This is not even an exaggeration. This is a true story. So I, um, oh at the God. time, I was living with my boyfriend and his dad. So I wasn't living with my family. And um, it's three in the morning. My boyfriend's out on a night out of all of his friends. <laughs> so I get this phone call and I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to go on tour. I'm about to go to America. I've got no one to tell. Yeah. Um, I was trying to ring my boyfriend. He's in a nightclub, so he's not picking up his phone. <laughs> Tried to call my mum and dad. They're obviously fast asleep. It's three in the morning. They yeah. weren't, so I couldn't tell anyone. So um, I finally, I got picked up at like six, six or six or something in the morning. And then um, just as I was coming out of my house, my boyfriend came home and um, I was like, I'm going on tour. I'm not going to see you for eight months. Had to have a quick goodbye. And then I got straight um, to the airport um, and the first show was in St. Louis. So I had like two flights. I got got off, I got up the airport, got into a taxi, went straight to the arena. I had to go straight on stage. St. Louis, what what is it? (laughs) St. Louis. Oh, I didn't know. That. I thought it, it was is St. Louis, Louis, right? I'm not insane. Yeah, yeah St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah I was, definitely... So I was St. Louis. <laughs> first gig was in St. Louis. Um, that was the first show. And um, yeah, then I was away for eight months. Jeez. Yeah. And, and then so... I obviously got to meet her a lot and I've really got to hang out with her and that was amazing. Oh, so, okay. So you did actually get to meet her. Yeah, because like, we were away for, because she, she personally requested me. So uh, um, I think it was like the second night actually, because Robin Thicke also did it. So yeah. it was me, I went on first, then it was Robin Thicke and his band, then it was Beyonce. 
sometimes Robin didn't do it and it was just me and Beyonce. Yeah. But most of the time it was us three. So I got to know Robin really well. He was like an older brother to me at the time. Um, okay. And uh, what, So you have to kind of dish a little bit about what both of these people are like. Obviously Queen Bay. Yeah, Queen Bay. Like this is probably, at what point in her career were you? So this was um, the, she, Deja Vu period. Got it. Cool. So she was, she'd had her first album, blew up on that after leaving Desi's Child. Yeah. I think she's on her second album. Yeah. Um, I think it was second album, like a second solo album, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. So she was big. Like she yeah. was huge. Um, so she, I really, really wish I had like some proper dirty gossip, but they're both <laughs> incredible people and yeah. obviously incredibly talented. Um, Robin, I hadn't really heard of um, because he, he had just come out with Lost Without You. Um, so he was actually just such a good song. Oh, brilliant. That album was amazing. And then amazing. he like went off this weird like Yeah, he, he went we loved yeah. him when he first came out. That it album was, so was amazing. I've got so many yeah. like fond memories of it. He um he had just blown up over in America, but yeah. wasn't really as well known over in England. So mm -hmm. I, I kinda heard of him, but not properly. So that tour, you know, I, I was watching him every night. He's phenomenal, incredible musician and a really, really, really nice guy. Like him and he had him and his band who were like four guys who I still talk to now. Um and they just they proper took me under their wing. Like they, you know, because yeah. I was there on my own, completely yeah. on my own. I had no big like even though Matthew was my manager he was also managing Beyonce, so that's probably yeah. more of his priority. Yeah. Um, but then he wasn't there all the time. He was busy traveling and everything. Yeah. So I was, yeah, literally there on my own. So um, they treated me like a little sister. And that, yeah, they were lovely. Um, and, and I got to meet Robin's dad, who's Alan Thicke, who's an actor. Yeah. Yeah, and he was lovely. Like, we all went out for, like, a big dinner in Vegas together. Um, that was really cool. And Beyonce, yeah, she was... She's such a lovely person. Like her work ethic is out of this world. Like, yeah. I, you know, no wonder why she's the biggest superstar of our day and age is because her work ethic is ridiculous. I've never met anyone who works as hard as she does. Mm -hmm. um, she seems like she's very like she really is. And she really is. And but she's also just such a nice person. Like mm -hmm. you, you would expect someone to be of her quality, you know, her standard and her level of fame yeah. to be a bit of a dickhead. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I, I mean? mean? Like you kind of <laughs> earned it at that point. <laughs> Yeah, like you can be diva, like you can be, but she's not. I mean, I never saw it, and I was with her for a long time, and I saw like her backstage in her dressing room, and yeah, she's just super nice. She's very grounded. She's still very appreciative. That's, of I think that's a where good way to put at. that. Like, mm. that's the the feeling that we get from Beyonce being a superstar, and I think that's part of why she is who she is. That's why she's Queen Bay, right? Is she's this mega star, and she's grounded totally. And I think you reputation know? goes a very long way in this industry, and I think. It doesn't really matter how much talent you have, because there's a you know there's, don't there's millions they don't of talented people. Yeah. yeah, when you meet someone and people get that first like you know that they might only meet you for five minutes or something, and then that's the only five minutes they've ever like that's really important to people. And and if you're like an arsehole and if you're like a, a proper diva and you're whatever people will always remember that and you know mm -hmm. fame isn't really anything like yeah. you know that's like as quickly as you can rise up you can also you can fall, fall down, down as well yeah. and I think she um, the fact that she's but your so, relationships are what gonna totally. that, that's the substance yeah. that's the me behind fame like. exactly mm -hmm. exactly so she um, yeah she's lovely mm. really very encouraging um, and just yeah good inspiration Aww. yeah have you, like, I mean, obviously, you probably don't really keep in touch with her, right? Yeah, well, do you know what? I actually last saw her, um, not last year, the year before. Mm -hmm. um, bit of a funny story. And it was Christmas, and I was in New York. And I'm really close to um, 
actually uh, an artist that she signed to her record label. Um, mm-hmm. Her name's Ingrid. Oh, and cool. um, she's a rapper. She's incredible. Um, and she's one of Solange's best friends. So they've mm-hmm. all grown up together. Yeah. Um, but Ingrid's a really, really close friend of mine. And I just split up with my ex yeah. and was like devastated about it. And I was like, I don't know what to do. So my friends that lived here in Atlanta, um, they were like, come and stay with us for like a little while. Like it'd be good to just, you know. Yeah, get away. And yeah, because we were together, me and my ex were together for eight years. So it yeah. was uh, quite a big heartbreak, yeah. my first sort of heartbreak. Um, was this the same one that you were with when you went on tour? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. I went for a lot with him and we got together when we were young, like 18. We have really good friends now. So it's all, oh, all in the past. Yeah. But like it was a really tough breakup. And so I sort of ran over here to just escape it all. Um, and then I... Um, Stayed with. I then went to New York for a few weeks and stayed with Ingrid, and uh, I was staying with her. And I was in the studio one night because I, I connected with a few people that I knew were working, like were producers and stuff. And I was like, "Let me write about this heartbreak. Like, I need to do something productive about it." And I was ready to start writing again. And um, and she, Ingrid, called me saying, "Oh, Solange's going to have like a little party around her house. Aww. Come round after the studio." So yeah. I was like, "Okay, cool." And I used to get on well with Solange as well, so I was like, "I'll go around." So I went around to her house and then Beyonce was there and I wasn't expecting B to be there either. Yeah. And um, I looked awful. I had no makeup on, like my hair was shoved up, like I had a beanie hat on. It, everyone looked really nice and glamorous and I would just look like a tramp. <laughs> and, um, and I turned up and um, Beyonce was there and uh, there was only about 20 people at this party. Yeah. It was real intimate, like like yeah. this, like real intimate kind of like affair. And... Uh, there was like a free bar so being a Brit I helped myself to that free bar got cracking on the vodka representing Croydon all the way got really drunk and um, we all did and I um, me and B like connected and she was so happy to see me and Mm. um, you know obviously vice versa and we had a big chat and then one point there was a dance off so like everyone's like gathering around a circle what does Beyonce do at parties well she's I mean exactly exactly (laughs) and everyone in this room were brilliant dancers obviously Beyonce is going to be incredible Solange is amazing everyone everyone's got swag (laughs) everyone's got like but me this little old white girl from Croydon like (laughs) who's the most like clumsiest person I don't have any swag I think I've got about as much swag in my little finger as I so um I'm like, man, and they start going, Shada, Shada, like calling my name. So I'm like, right, go on, Katie. I'm like, okay, well, do you know what I did? I went in the middle of the dance-off, and um, the first move I pulled off was the robot, because I didn't know what else to do. And then everyone's laughing, and then I was like, right, this is going to be my bad boy move. And I did a forward roll. like We call it a roly-poly. I don't know what you guys call it, but a forward roll on the wooden floor. (laughs) like smacked my head and I was wearing skinny jeans and then um, where I stood up I ripped all the back of my skinny jeans so not only did I like injure my head the whole back of my jeans as I said my bum was out for the rest of the party and Beyonce was on the floor crying like everyone was hysterically like that was one of the most embarrassing moments of my whole life so yeah so that was when I last saw her so oh yeah. my god but I have, here's I have changed <laughs> I've matured <laughs> No, please don't ever no. change. Somebody has to be that person. And I mean, just embrace it. Yeah, I think I'm going to. I will. And we'll, we'll put it this way. Beyonce will never forget that. Please do. Please do forget it. So just based on our previous conversation, it sounds yeah. like you have a lot of like little quirky, embarrassing stories from life on tour. Mm. And so from some of your gigs. Mm-hmm. 
So um, I think the one that you mentioned to me was the piano. That was. Oh, yeah. Is that the only one? I mean, do you have a couple others that you want to talk um, about? I, if I, oh, yeah. I've got. Yeah. So there was. Um, there's a, been a few embarrassing moments. One was when I was on the Beyonce tour and um, I went out on stage, thousands of people cheering, pitch black. And I got to know the sound and lighting guys. Like, so, you know, I've been with them yeah. for months. And so this we, was like we months family. into you. This the... was months into it. So we were proper family. Because when I first started the tour, I had no like, you know, fancy like, <laughs> special effects. It was just a keyboard and a house lights and then just me performing. But the more I got to know them, they, you know, they really wanted to help me out and yeah. make it. So um, they did this lovely, like, you know, it would be pitch black. And then when I'd go on, they'd put a suddenly like a spotlight on me on the keyboard, mm. be really dramatic. Um, and then they'd do this like beautiful lighting show for me and have like really like, they didn't have to do it. And they did. They were super, super lovely. Yeah. So I went out on stage and um, spotlight came on. And that's when I was about to play a bit of classical music and the piano didn't work. Like I wasn't yeah. playing. And um I was like, oh man, like I'm kind of relying on this. And uh, but everyone could see that the piano wasn't working and the audience were amazing and really yeah. like Is it cool? Um, oh hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um they were really, you know, like responsive and they could see it wasn't my fault. And um and then I the people had to come on and change keyboards. So I just had to like acapella it up. So I did a bit of Michael Jackson, which everyone, everyone loves MJ. So I thought that's the only song I could do. And um, yeah, and then they brought my keyboard out and then I could play it. But I came off stage literally crying my eyes out. I was like, that's so embarrassing. Like, And actually a couple of days later, Beyonce, when it was her show, I don't know if you've seen it, but she fell from one like one of the top steps right to the bottom of the stage. Oh shit! She was doing like um, ring the alarm or something, and um, yeah. she, you know, she puts everything into her her shows, mm -hmm. and she just missed a step and she tumbled all the way down. And she cut all of her leg, and she just carried on like a pro. Like she picked up her microphone, her leg was bleeding. She just carried on the whole rest of the set, and I was like, Aww. if Beyonce can just carry on like that after falling, yeah. then you know, I am. Um, so yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. Um, How did the crowd react? That, do you know what? It, it was literally, it's on YouTube and stuff, I think. It was like... <laughs> We're going to put that in the show notes, by the way, this yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Okay, yes. It was, um, it was probably no more than 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. Um, but I was sitting in the front with her mum and her sister, and it was like the whole arena just went silent and was like... <gasps> Oh god! And the bat, like everyone was like, but it, when you look at it on YouTube, she just gets straight back up. It's yeah. so quick, but it felt it felt like a lifetime. Yeah, definitely. No. Um, but I mean, how did the crowd react when you did? When oh, you sorry. Ran into it? They um, well, they sort of went a bit like quiet, like oh, like poor girl, like <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because I'd be like that. You're not Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like who is this girl, and why is her piano not working? So they, they'll be like, <gasps> and then when I started singing, yeah. they all started cheering, and they could. And then when they see like when they saw people coming on and changing up my piano, they could see it was a technical fault and it wasn't me. And yeah. they, if anything, I, I I actually got everyone on my side because everyone started cheering even more. And yeah. um, so yeah, no, it was it was mate. Because I, you know what, American audiences are incredible what i found is that like if the, i was on tour this year and um i was i went i did center stage here in mm. atlanta and I, I went to new york um went all over and new york and philly were the two places i was a bit scared about because you know new york could be quite a tough crowd it's a yeah. proper city it's like london if they don't like you they're gonna you know throw bottles at you like but um oh shit, were, really well that's what i've heard oh maybe not as dramatic as throwing bottles but like <laughs> if they don't like you they'll make it clear that they don't you know they're not rating you they might boo you and stuff mm -hmm. and um they were amazing like so over the top amazing and um 
Yeah, and I love that. Like when the audience are proper crazy, like that yeah. just, you know, spurs Oh, it gives you, you so much bit. energy, Oh, right? totally, yeah. totally. You want them to like be in it, like yeah. invested and like part of the show. Yeah. And really bring that to it, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's probably, there's one more other um, thing I can think of actually is I was doing the Harley Davidson Festival um, in Europe. that's an interesting crowd. Very in interesting Europe. crowd. In Europe. And it was in, um, <laughs> where was, I was in Croatia. And I had a big band at the okay, time. Okay, whoa, back up. There's a Harley Davidson Festival in Europe, a eh? in yeah. Croatia. In, they every summer Harley Davidson put on music festivals all within Europe. They do it in Portugal, Saint Tropez, South of France, Croatia, Barcelona, um, it somewhere in Italy. I can't remember, and somewhere else, um, on Austria, um, oh. and they do that the whole summer. They've done that every year for like the last like 10, 12 years, and they always have like a really big act like right at the very end on the main stage um more they're more probably famous in the country where we're performing yeah, you know yeah, yeah. so it might be like the famous a really famous french band will perform and but incredible music um most of the music is kind of what you'd probably stereotype it being like rock and um you know old school rock and yeah. like 60s and 70s music but so god knows why they booked me because that's obviously not my music <laughs> at all R&B soul. Yeah, yeah r&b soul like, i'll do a bit of whitney here and um you know all this um but but you know i think one thing about Harley Davidson is that the the demographic of people that like go to these festivals and have bikes it's it's so spread out like yeah young old male female it like lawyers doctors teachers it's not just your stereotypical kind of like rocker if you biker, know what I mean yeah, yeah biker guy so um I ended up I've done the festivals for like six years in a row and they've like they've dotted me all over the place like in all different so it's been amazing the last like six years and um I had one a couple of years ago in Croatia and I was on the big main stage like just before the main act was coming on mm-hmm. and I had my big band and I had two backing singers and like it was so much fun and um there was this guy that was in the front and uh, like it was on a beach as well yeah. so like it, um it, the stage was super high up and there was this guy in the front and he was I don't know if he was on drugs or I don't know what he was on another level Whoa. and um he kept on looking at me when I was playing. Well, first of all, he was sweating profusely and it was hot, but he was like over top sweating and he took off his T-shirt and he like, you know, swung it around and he threw it on the stage. Oh, God. So, and it landed literally like on my head. So I'm oh, sitting there playing the piano and I get no. this like proper sweaty T-shirt like on my head and I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> like, nice. <laughs> Um, so I'm sitting there playing the piano and, and all my band are cracking up like they're laughing because I'm just like this is really unladylike. and then so this man you know he's being a bit annoying now like he's yeah. kind of shouting things out and whatever and then because I wasn't responding to him and I was trying to ignore him he started like making like um, actions like you know I'm going to cut your throat like he was looking oh, at me so fuck. I'd look over and he'd be like you know d- doing all these crazy actions yeah. Um and, I, and it was really putting me off. Do you know what I yeah. mean? I'm like, so I'm trying to play and I'm looking over. I was like, right, Katie, just, just don't look at him. Just don't look at him. Next thing I know, he pulls down, this is no joke, he pulls down his trousers and his pat, like, and his pants, his boxers. I don't know if I can say this. Well, yeah. Okay. He started masturbating. Are you fucking serious? Uh-huh. Started oh, masturbating. gross. Okay, and we're talking a sweaty... Overly sweaty. Overly sweaty. Was he like also obese? Uh, yeah, he he wasn't even like a nice guy my age. I wouldn't even mind no, if that was old, the case. No, old, sweaty, was, fat man <laughs> old, yeah. from a Harley Davidson <laughs> festival. Took off his shirt, sweaty soaked, yep. threw it on your head, and then pulled his pants down and started masturbating at you. At like, gig, yeah. 
Oh my so, um, fucking god! My backing singers literally, like, <laughs> I know. Luckily, it was far. Like, I mean, I don't know what happened with them, but I like my backing singers like turned around. Like, they're church loving soul sisters who do not want to see that. They turned around. They're like, we're not. And um, I, I could not believe. I mean, I've never seen that before at one of my gigs. I've seen quite a few things. I've never seen that. And um, luckily, security then like intervened. They could see what was going on. Then they just they took yeah. him away. They chucked him out of the festival. But that was definitely one to go down in the history books. And even all the um, organisers, oh, the promoters, they were like, we have never ever in our history of, of doing these festivals ever seen that before. You know you're good when you inspire <laughs> when you extremism <laughs> wherever you go. <laughs> yeah, so if you're listening... <laughs> Call me. <laughs> oh, God. Joking. Oh, God. Oh, I'm joking. Oh. oh, Jesus Christ. That is that is ridiculous. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about tour life. Mm-hmm. Um, so what have you got going on now? I mean, so I have, I've, I mean, I've always gigged, like ever since, you know, ever since a tour, like I've, I've supported quite a few other artists and I've always, always, always been performing, like being on stage is just what I love, you know? Yeah. Um, so since so that's kind of your bread and butter then? Yeah, as an artist, it is. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I fly back to London a lot. I have a lot of shows back home, mm-hmm. um, so I've just spent two months um, back in London this summer. Cool. I just got back a couple of weeks ago, um, and I gigged like the whole summer, which is amazing. Um, yeah, really cool. So, but now, um, now I've come back to Atlanta. I got back two weeks ago, and I'm just focusing on getting my record done. So, mm-hmm. um, I've been here obviously for like a year and a half, and it's my first album. So I'm writing all from scratch, and because oh. everything's about like me and my life and my yeah. experiences, it's um, it's not something I can just write in three weeks and be done, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's mad because a lot of my stuff, a lot of my music, is about my love life, <laughs> and it's about you know <laughs> it's like, like tender. Ta- yeah, it's like a Taylor Swift Adele thing going on. But I, d- I can't help it like I do that's why I feel so inspired where mm-hmm. I write about someone I've that's run. where you like, connect the most yeah, with people on like your totally. average day-to-day life I feel like that's where we all connect exactly yeah. exactly so um it's um I'm working with some amazing amazing people um there's an incredible artist and writer called Mavelle um and a, a producer called Hard Work another producer called Rourke Bailey um yeah I'm working with some amazing people that just get me um, another yeah. writer as well called Concept they get me and they get in my head and they know it's just easy do you know what I mean I go into mm-hmm. the studio and um, we'll sit there and chat about what's going on yeah. and, and we're all like the best of friends now as well mm-hmm. which helps um, but yeah we'll just we'll just create it can just it just comes from nothing and so I'm I'm just focusing on that now I've recorded and written a bunch of tunes I've got probably like 40 or 50 songs um yeah. I'm still always writing because I, I think, you know, you never know when you're going to write your best one. And for example, last week I co-wrote one of my best songs, I think, that I've done. So mm-hmm. um, I'm never going to stop writing just because yeah. I've got loads of songs. But it is getting to the stage now where I'm starting to Narrow whittle it, it down. down. Yeah, whittle it down and, and just get like the best sort of 10 to 15 um, and then ideally 12. And then got once we've got those best, those you yeah. know top tracks, just perfecting them basically. So going in and just, yeah. So, I mean, I just, as somebody who's not in the music industry, mm-hmm. how long does it take for you to really create? Does it really take like a year and a half for you to create that content normally? Like, you know what? It, it, it totally depends. Like when I look at it, I I mean, you know, doing writing and recording an album, it does take a long time, especially mm-hmm. as a new artist, because you're also you're, crafting you're, your brand. Yeah, you're crafting and, your brand yeah. and you're finding your sound, which is super important. I think once you're an established artist and you've had success with a certain type of sound, mm-hmm. it could be it might take a 
it might be quicker to do an album and it might take a but for me I'm I'm very much ex- I know what my sound is you know it's, it's very much R&B soul but it's um it's still finding those sounds that make me Your different niche. from everyone yeah. else yeah um so that's a bit of a like creative process in itself and that's takes totally a bit of time getting with the right kind of content creation yeah. like that's oh. the the challenge right it's- it is you're doing something. You're you're not reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. You're finding a niche within something that already exists, right? Exactly. So. And it's what you know. It's a lot of trial and error working with different producers. Mm-hmm. You might work with the most amazing producer who, on papers, like done loads of hits and yeah. you know got an amazing track record. But you might just not connect with them. Like mm-hmm. it might just be something there. So a lot of um, a lot of time is just working with as many different people as possible, and then finding those that really your get tribe. you yeah, and yeah group. bring out the best and then just so that's what I found I've been working with a lot of people and slowly but surely I've got the team smaller and smaller with who I want to work with and um yeah and then just creating from that so I, I don't know I think in answer to your question I think f- for new artists it takes a while because there's a lot of development with which goes with it um but however I've been here for a year and a half and it's taken me that long but I have gone back to London and I've I've travelled to Brazil and, and other places yeah. gigging and performing a lot in between that year and a half. So it hasn't been a full year and a half writing an album. Got it, yeah. It's been here, I've been here for two months and then I've had to go to Brazil and perform and then I've gone back to London. So you doing chunks of time. Exactly. Yeah, okay. um, I reckon if I was here for say, I reckon about six months. If I was here okay. for a good solid six months, didn't have to go anywhere, mm-hmm. I reckon that on average for a good album six months some people take like three years to to make an album yeah even like incredible established bands and yeah. um some yeah they can take a while it just depends it totally depends what's, what's on going the creative on process yeah. and how complicated and you know exactly really, yeah. i think um i think distractions and life gets in the way sometimes i think I, I definitely think if um you know if i if i didn't have to gig and sort of earn money in the meantime and and do all these other things god yeah like the idle situation is i could just go to like a desert island for three yeah. four months <laughs> literally just be in a hut and be in a little recording studio and then just write and perform there for sort of three months have no distractions no telephone no nothing that would be that's the dream but I'll do that hopefully when I'm you know Michael Jackson a little bit further (laughs) yeah Michael Jackson yeah (laughs) I will be I will be MJ (laughs) so um very cool I mean in Atlanta I can't think of a I was gonna ask you a question but I've had a glass of wine um (laughs) Well, talk to me a little bit about kind of how you've gone about building a life here. So I know you got out of that eight-year-long relationship. So yep. you... So um, that um, that breakup spurred me. That's kind of a big reason why I'm here, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I think if we were still together, um, I'd still definitely be in England. Yeah. Um, still doing my music, yeah. but maybe not as... Um, not as focused as maybe as I am now mm-hmm. um so you know us breaking up was a major like life change we've been yeah. together for like my whole 20s like since we were teenagers um we were engaged as well um so that's really tough. us yeah us breaking up was really tough but I yeah it the the sort of the first two years we've been split up now for three years the first two years um I just found myself again I, mm. I you know I found out like who I was and and also it just really gave me a drive to proper go for it with my music and not let anything hold you back and you know if someone wants me out in America just do it I've got no one else to think about I've got no other ties and whatever so I um when I moved here I so my manager I hadn't even met him um and it's actually through Beyonce and everything that's how me and my manager how he discovered me um he you know we started skyping and stuff and he was like I want you to come out here um 
let's just see how it goes. He's never managed an artist before, so for him, it's um, it's all sort of new territory as well. So what did he do before? So he, well, he's still doing what he does, um, what he was doing then. He works in radio. Oh, um, okay. So he's he's been in the music, he's a music industry veteran. He's yeah, been in the music yeah. industry for about he 25 years. He's moving into... Yeah, he just wants... Management. Exactly, and he's been looking for an artist for like a few years and um, found me, and he's... He's, you know, he goes to church as well and something was sort of calling him and telling him that he needed to bring me out here. He didn't know what he was going to do with me. He didn't know how it was going to work, but he's just like, I need to get you here to Atlanta. Um, And because I'd had a few connections here with, you know, my friends were living here that were musicians. I've been back and forth a little bit. Yeah. Um, He was, you know, I want to fly you here. So I I came out here and um, with literally like a, you know, rucksack backpack and didn't go back home and I went back home to sort out my visa and stuff but um it was new for both of us but something in like with someone always told me you know when you get into some form of business yeah you never know whether you're going to make the right decision or not um you just have have, you have to yeah and you have to just go with your gut sometimes some things are going to work some things are not and my gut feeling was so strong that this is like a good decision and this is the right path um I just flew out here and I met him at the airport um felt really right when I met him he's like an older brother to me and um he put me up and I um yeah I mean it was it was tough when I first moved here because the first sort of few months when I was here I was with my manager every day. He was kind of, you know, he knew that I didn't have anyone out here, no family, no friends. So he was with me a lot. Um, and I was in the studio a lot. So I was very busy. And then after like a few months and, you know, I started to find my feet and stuff a bit, I got a little bit lonely because um, my schedule was so mixed up that I couldn't, you know, it wasn't like I had a, a day job where I could meet people yeah. in an office or in a day job. And I had that, I, I didn't have that kind of normal life. So it's sort yeah. of, I couldn't meet any friends. Like I couldn't meet mm. anyone. And um, I got a bit lonely and I, yeah. I'll, I'll admit I did get a bit homesick and stuff. And I was seeing all my friends back home and family and I was thinking, oh, but then I just, you know, got over, I was homesick for about two weeks and that was it. And I got it, over it. It comes in ways. It does, yeah. yeah. And I started to meet friends really organically and you know people that I was working with musically I was spending a lot of time with them and then they introduced me to other people mm-hmm. and then yeah and now like Atlanta's my home you know yeah. so I'm here sort of recording pretty much nearly every day in the mm-hmm. studio I've now got into quite a cool little routine where I have um weekends off so I'm normally Monday to Friday I'm doing music yeah. in the studio I'm always doing music every day but now I tend to have weekends off unless I'm doing a show or unless mm-hmm. I'm and then that's pretty cool because now um I'm you know you have I'm, some semblance of a normal life. Exactly, yeah. yeah and yeah. I get to go out with friends and, and stuff. Oh. So, yeah. And that's how we met you. Exactly, <laughs> It comes yeah. full circle, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so uh, I feel very home. I feel like this is home now. Oh, I love that. Mm. No, I mean, like, I, I feel like, truth be told, you have an incredible story. Um, it's interesting kind of what brought you here, but I, I can totally empathize as well, like, kind of going with your gut and like making big decisions like that. Yeah. I've done the same kind of thing multiple times in my life. In fact, I just did one where you kind of hit that crossroads where you're like, okay, something is coming. Something is, I I know you can sense it. You can sense it. You're like, okay, this is, this is a thing that's happening. I'm I'm at a crossroads right now. I have a choice. Mm But I'm gonna go with the the one that I think is gonna be more risky. And yeah, high, yeah. Like you've right? got to be a bit scared. Like you think like we live once. Do you know what I mean? We we know we don't know how long we're here for. We could like you know it's not until like somebody passes away or someone gets an illness or we get an illness or something happens yeah. that it always makes you th- like look at life differently. But I th- I feel like we should look at life differently every single day yeah i think that's what our purpose is like our per i feel like our purpose is like human beings i know we're getting a bit deep here Mm -hmm. but i feel like our purpose is to find that thing that 
makes us kind of click or, or we need to find that thing that feels like we have a purpose and that's why we're here on this earth some people are very lucky they find that early on I feel very blessed that I found music from a, a, you know when I was super young and I'm thankful to my family for that um, but I've got a lot of friends and family that you know still don't really know what they want to do and that's not a bad thing at all but I just feel like we we need to just take those risks sometimes and, and then we just kind of lean into whatever you yeah, decide exactly like, no like, matter where you are if you don't have a purpose it's mm. all about whatever you seize mm. just to lean into that exactly. and then you know you're never going to have regrets you're exactly like, you're always going to figure out like hey this didn't work for me but I yeah all these incredible oh things, totally yeah you, know? you think it's that whole saying of like we always regret the things we didn't take rather than the things that we did take mm-hmm. and it's so true like you'll always look back and be like oh, you know what? i wish i did that that's a worse regret to have rather yeah. than like oh you know what that didn't work out but <laughs> i've got a story to tell so you know yeah yeah so i had a little um escapade in japan that was like oh, oh really you know that didn't turn out very well but at least you know i got to live Japan yeah, for a few what, happened? what happened? What uh, happened? Oh, that was a relationship. So oh, okay. I was dating oh, guys right, yeah. in the Navy and went out there, and I was supposed to go out for like a week. Oh, and yeah, I already had my plane tickets. Yeah, yeah, and then um, I went out there like, but like a month before, I'm gonna say like a few weeks before I went out there, he was like, "Why don't you just stay? Like, why don't you don't just come out here for eight days? Like, why don't you take a semester off? Why don't you come stay?" I did that, and then we immediately crashed and burned, and, like, the, the relationship imploded. And I had, like, no money, and yeah. it was just, like, I mean, it was definitely an adventure. It was definitely something that if I had probably stayed longer, if I had a little bit more of a support system, it probably would have worked mm-hmm. out. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things where I just jumped. Yeah, um, but good for you, though. I admire yeah. you 100% for doing that. Like yeah. like you say, like, not many other people can say that they've lived in Japan for a few months, and, and you did it for love. Not, like, yeah. yeah, you did it for, like, you know, for... for yeah, love. Like I yeah. think that's a, I think that's an amazing thing. Like that is nothing to, to regret fair, at all. If I'm ever giving someone advice, mm. don't do things for love. <laughs> yeah, I, but you're saying this to the most emotional, soppy person that would do I anything know, for love. I do it for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I mean, maybe you have that in the portfolio of reasons that mm. you make a decision. But if you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm doing everything for this one person. Oh, do you know what? Just creates a lot of pressure. I completely agree. I think, yeah. um, I think I definitely, definitely learned that you're only you're responsible for your own happiness mm-hmm. like no one else can give yes. that to you i think yeah. when you're in a relationship you should be in a relationship because you know that other person either brings out the best in you and yeah. like maybe you're a good team together or whatever but i think um you we're all here we all got brought into this world like as you know we're on our own we're all leaving on our own and um, if you can't make yourself happy then no one else can really make you happy and, and like you're saying I, I agree I don't think you should do something just purely based on love like because if yeah. that you never know how that's going to work out and, and that's then, fickle it's, it's yeah. such a fickle thing like that mm-hmm. feeling of inspiration I mean it's that, mm-hmm. that's a fleeting thing I mean mm-hmm. you have different types of love like, yeah yeah exactly so yeah. deep attachment is going to be very different than like a lust which yeah. is going to be a little bit more inspirational inherently yeah. right or infatuation so mm-hmm. um so that's kind of like to a lot of girls that I talk to, I'm like, mm. yeah, just like, don't, yeah. Step back, think about this. Like, what do you truly want? What's going to be yeah. good for you? And how are you going to create your own happiness? Yeah, you know? um, kind of design your life and your happiness. I think so many people just just kind of take a backseat to mm-hmm. like wherever life takes them, and they get carried by the wind. And I'm extremely guilty of that in mm-hmm. the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got to this point where I was like, I'm tired of just accepting what happens mm. and I'm ready to be in the driver's take, seat. Yeah, take control. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I wasn't driving the car. It was in the car, but I wasn't driving it. Yeah. And I want to drive it. Yeah. You know, I want to be you. that person. So, Have yeah. I shown you my back with all the 30 guys' names, uh, um, tattoos of their names? What? No. <laughs> I was like, uh... <laughs> Wait <Joking>. a second. <laughs> 
imagine. I wouldn't do anything for love, but I do have my whole back covered in different men's names. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> Um, so that's a really stupid thing that people do, by the way. Yes, get tattoos of the like, come on, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I, yeah, yeah. I, don't tell me you've got one. No, <sighs> you're looking no at me just then, like, <laughs> I, I'm trying not to insult people, just in case you do have no offense if you have one, but I'm sure, um, if oh, you God, guys God. didn't work out, you yeah. probably regret it anyway. So, <laughs> just yeah, just a little shout out to those that do have their loved ones tattooed, beautiful thing, keep it. <laughs> I mean, if you guys aren't together anymore, yeah. I'm sure you share our opinion. Yeah. <laughs> so, but if you are together, ah, eh, fuck it. <laughs> um, but I guess like really what I want to know now is I, I got the sense like when you sat down here, based on our conversation earlier, you are kind of at one of those crossroads, right? Mm-hmm. So you're at this point where you're like figuring out what your direction is going to be. And so, you know, where are you with that? Do you know what? I'll be completely honest. I've always been such a planner. I've always wanted to know what was going on. Um, mm-hmm. This has been with everything. This is, that's been in my love life. That's been in my music, like like with my career. Um, I've always wanted to know what's happening. Yeah, I've been through so much, like not only just like with my work life, but personally, like over the mm. last few years, that it's really made me realise like what we were just talking about. Like when, like as much as you can take control of things, I think there's also a lot of things you can't take control yeah. of. Um, and I've even though I'm at this sort of crossroads, I'm also very content with I feel very blessed that I'm out here in Atlanta and I'm you know I've got this life out here and I've got these new friends and family out here like not real family but you know family family um I've got my family and life back home I feel very blessed that I'm getting to do music every day um I don't know where it's going to take me I obviously have these dreams I have these I want to win seven Grammy awards in one (laughs) night and beat the world record of the female winner I have these dreams and I you know I want my album to be released next year that's a big um, most people wouldn't even dare to dream that big oh I dream very big yeah I've got a lot of big um I want to own a Dunkin Donuts because I love donuts (laughs) like I've got a lot of dreams Yeah, no, if I do, I'll give you free donuts. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, oh, have you ever had donut shops here local? Sublime Donuts? Sublime Donuts. Uh, oh, my God. The most amazing, <laughs> amazing donut shop in the world. Like, I love them. So, okay, not Dunkin' Donuts. I want to own a Sublime Donuts. Um, <laughs> but no, I've got a lot of big dreams. And I, do, I you know, want to release my album next year. And yeah. I want to go on tour. And I want to, I want to, it's not even a case of wanting to be famous. I want my music to be known by everyone in you the world you want your content want, you want these, yeah. the things want that people you create to be moved to be by my music yeah. that's it i don't care about any of anything else however i don't know what's going to happen i have mm. no idea so i'm literally living every day like it's my last <laughs> and i know that might be a bit reckless but um that's i'm just as long as i'm happy and i'm like you yeah. know i'm i'm making other people You're happy towards it. i'm You're, working towards it yeah. i'm working towards my dream and i'm just sort of letting the universe like kind of make it happen if it's gonna happen so I don't have any plans I couldn't tell you where like I'm gonna be in six months or wherever I'm gonna be in a year because I never thought I'd be here a year and a half ago so um well I think it's actually really beautiful that we caught you right in this moment too where Mm -hmm. you would say yes to yeah you know um you know a pretty new podcast I mean we're still Mm -hmm. pretty young um so I really appreciate that like mm-hmm. I love the fact that you kind of came in and like shared with us and like was really part of this it's a great moment oh, I'm glad and it's forever gonna be on the internet yeah. <laughs> all those tattooed names <laughs> <of them. laughs> oh yeah <And> whoops <laughs> no you know what I do I love being in love though I'm just gonna like yeah. with that I think it's um I think it's such a beautiful yeah. feeling and I think like even when you've had your heart broken yeah I think it's um it's what we're meant to do as humans. 
you know what I mean? I think yeah, that's what we're meant to absolutely. do as people. We're meant to love. Like we're meant to, yeah. you know, so that's not what always just romantically too. Oh, I mean, yeah, just like just, love, like yeah. truly love, I love people you. around you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. a bit, bit forward, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> no, I love that too. I, I, I woke up in my sleep the other night mm. to the guy that I'm seeing. It's still pretty, really new. And apparently in my sleep, I rolled over and was like, told him I loved him or I just said I love you in my sleep and he was like oh she's dreaming about an ex and like I'm really mad he's like what did you say what did you say and I was like just let it go let it slide let it go <laughs> in my sleep I, just, I love it I, so- I think that's beautiful like, I'm I'm seeing a guy at the moment who I'm super into yeah um and yeah, I just want to say soppy stuff all the time, but I I have to hold myself back because yeah. <laughs> otherwise he 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 knows that I'm sensitive. Uh, he knows that I'm soppy already, but um, yeah. I have to just like yeah, just, you Get, know. Just chill, like, I'm gonna wait for him to face. say the soppy stuff, and then I'll just be like, Rah! <laughs> uh, <laughs> unleash it, unleash it, <laughs> open <laughs> exactly. the floodgates. <laughs> I can totally yeah. empathize with that, but yeah. that that was just too my sleep talk is ridiculous. <laughs> And then the next day I woke up in the middle of the night or was sleep talking to him and mm. just yelled at him that time. So. Oh, okay. Went back out, to right? Exactly. <laughs> just hit him in the face. Yeah, there you go. Just, next time, punch him. I yeah. love you. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that was a little off topic, but um, so let's go ahead and do a little plug here. I know you've got some stuff coming up in terms of content, and that's part of the reason why we included in the intro and outro where we included a clip of your new song right? yeah so um this song came about like a few years ago um i was in the studio it's like five in the morning we were all really tired mm-hmm. and i had loads of reverb on my mic so i started sort of singing this like uh uh like a bass line and yeah. because i had loads of reverb on it it was like obviously this big echo yeah and everyone was like oh that's pretty cool and then my friend who, who's a beatboxer came on started beatboxing <laughs> and then we just started and I had again no money at the time yeah um I literally had holes like in the bottom of my shoes and this was in New York and I was walking through New York and it was raining so you imagine my feet uh. like it was horrible it was a low moment but it was a good moment as well and um I just wrote this song about like having no money just got out of this relationship like everything's yeah. going wrong <laughs> but when everything goes wrong you've just got nothing to say apart from like <sighs> you know what whatever like Like, I'm here yeah still alive exactly obviously I'm gonna make it through this exactly (laughs) and it's just very easy going and very just so I wrote this song so um this is gonna be out I'm gonna put this on my SoundCloud um next month in a few weeks um and just until my album finishes I'm gonna be dropping quite a few songs um on my SoundCloud which is just my name which is Katie Schotter um so K-A-T-Y and my second name is S H O T T E R. We'll put links in the show notes and cool. um, in the description as well. Amazing. Also follow her on Instagram. She's pretty active yeah. on that. Mm-hmm. What's your handle there? Katie Shotter. Okay. So at Katie Shotter there. Yeah. Um, make sure to follow us too. I will indeed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So all the plugs for all the social media and everything here. We're YDKM Podcast everywhere. And then make sure also you guys rate and review. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a really big deal. I know obviously with you, make sure to favorite, comment on songs, give her some feedback, you know. She's kind of branching out, getting more active on social media. So she definitely wants to hear back from you guys as well. So very cool. Don't get, don't give me any hate mail. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. She's not, not (laughs) she's like, I haven't earned it yet. There's still time. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> Give it a few months. <laughs> well, on that note, I think mm. we're good to wrap up. I'm your host, Veeps. And I'm Katie Shotter. And this is You Don't Know Me. Oh,